0: Friends. Welcome to Read Em and Weep. It's me, your host, Sammy, and I'm back home, back to semi-normal life, which means that we are getting back to our normal format of the podcast, which is one hand that I played good and one hand that I played bad. Before I get into that, I just wanted to give a little bit of gratitude to a couple of you guys. Several of you have taken the time out of your day to leave reviews for the podcast on Apple Pods, and I really appreciate that. So I just wanted to give a personal shout out to YB Yanksman, Yancey Eaton, uh, B Diddy 9, E Flores 173, AVN AZ, Deuce 4 Offsuit, Riley Marty, Lil bonus Jacks Beach Jake, Bunch of Numbers and Dollar Signs and Ampersand Guy, Burnt Orange Wolf, and the emoist vegan there is. Really appreciate you guys. Uh, you guys said some really cool and nice things about the podcast. It, it really helps out the podcast and yeah, it makes me feel good, so uh, I just want to give you guys a shout. Very grateful and appreciative uh, of you guys, so thank you. With that said, my friends, I've been on the Bay Area grind now for a couple of weeks, and I got a couple of hands from the last week of the grind. Let's get into them. All right, hand one comes from Stones Gambling Hall up near Sacramento, California, playing 1-3. Uh, I say this every time, but the 1-3 at Stones plays kind of like a 2-5, and generally I play there on the weekdays because I'm up there for work once every couple weeks, and so the 2-5 there doesn't really run much during the weekdays, but the 1-3 is a good game, Uh, and in this hand, it folds around to the Button, who's a pretty capable player. Like He seems pretty good. Obviously, never played with him before, but I've been at the table with him for a little bit. He seems like a pretty good, tough, aggressive player. Folds around to him on the button, and he opens to 15. Folds to me in the big blind, and I look down at two red jacks. So this guy done come around and fucked with my big blind, and I got a big hand. I think three betting here is certainly proper. He's going to have a really wide range opening from the button, and I want to punish his ass. And certainly Jack-Jack is very high up in my range of hands, so I'm going to be taking kind of a polarized re-raising strategy here and jacks are definitely near the top of my range. So I'm going to three bet them for value. And I do three bet to 65. So I go a little more than four X and he thinks about it for a little bit and makes the call. We're both pretty deep. It doesn't especially come into play here, but I think we're both about like 1800 to two K deep somewhere in there. So he opens 15 on the button. I have red jacks and the big blind. I three bet to 65 and he makes the call. The flop comes 6-5-deuce with the top two card spades. 6-5-deuce, top two card spades, I have red jacks. And this flop is going to miss my three betting range quite a bit. So I decide to check it. Now he puts in a solid bet of 70 into 130, a little more than half pot. And I could go either way. Certainly a, a fold is out of order. So I can either play it through a call or a check raise. Now, this is the kind of board that will often run out in a way that's advantageous for the in-position player. The the general rule is on very dynamic boards, boards that will change, the strength of hands will change throughout the hand. That's going to favor the in-position player more often than the out-of-position player. And also the in-position player has more of an advantage because we're so deep. As stacks get deeper, the bigger advantage it is to be in position. So I decide to lead off with a check. He bets 70 and I decide to check call because I don't really want to like check raise and have a bad card, a straightening card or another spade come on the turn. And then I'm kind of in like check call shell mode and it's not quite clear what to do, et cetera, et cetera. So I decide to trap a little bit and make the check call. The turn comes in offsuit 10. So six, five deuce with the top two card spades, on the flop and then an offsuit 10 on a turn pretty benign card. I check and now he puts in another big bet. He goes 175 into 270. Obviously, I still have an overpair. I often have the best hand. He could be semi-bluffing here with a lot of different hands, spade combinations, straight draws, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It seems a little weird if he just has like 5x or 6x that he's betting so big here. Certainly, I could see maybe a hand like pocket eights, pocket nines, pocket seven, something like that, betting big, thinking that the 10 never hits me as well. So I'm not folding, but uh, I think check-raising here, probably a little optimistic, so I make the call again. The river is the most interesting of cards. It's the jack of spades, putting a third spade on board. So 6-5 deuce with two spades, offsuit 10 jack of spades on the river, making me top set and also putting the third spade on the board. And I decide to check because I feel like this guy, if he's making a semi bluff, if he's been going this whole way and betting big with a semi bluff, as I thought he was doing a lot of the time, this card is like, it just made his hand. So I don't want to bet and get raised big and be in this really tough spot. And so I decide to check and see what he does. And he checks back I flip over my pocket jacks. Obviously, I'm good because he would have bet with a better hand. And he shows pocket sixes. So he flopped top set. And I set over, set at him on the river. And we win a $620 pot. All right. So did I play this hand well? Nah, man. Nah, man. I I screwed this hand up six ways till Sunday. Let's talk about it. So first of all, my decision pre-flop to three bet jacks, I think, is well and fine and good. But on the flop, not C betting this flop, I think was a really big misstep. It's a really bad way to play your hand. Certainly in this case, the guy had top set. So, you know, maybe it looks good results oriented wise. But as a strategy, I should be C betting this hand a lot. Like I said, this is not a particularly good flop for my range. It's going to be a flop that misses my range quite a bit. But the reality is, that just means that I shouldn't be betting it all the time, but I should be betting it when I do at a fairly large sizing and my hand pocket jacks. The specific one I have in this case is a hand that I should be betting at a super high frequency because it's the kind of hand that really benefits from protection. The general rule is the more your hand is vulnerable to turns and rivers, the more you should be betting it for equity denial sake for your opponent. Pocket jacks a queen, a king, or an ace can come on later streets and really shrink up the value of those pocket jacks. And those are certainly cards when he raises pre-flop and then defends to a three bet, he's going to have a lot of those types of cards in his hand. So if I had a hand like pocket aces or maybe pocket kings, those are hands that would be better candidates to trap with because they're not as afraid of overcards coming on the turn. But pocket jacks is a hand that's super vulnerable and it's one that I should be betting here. So I think by taking the line of going into kind of a defensive trappy show with this kind of hand and check calling the flop and check calling the turn and checking the river, I just think it's an overall bad way to play this hand. So I think I screwed that one up. And then I think another big screw up was on the river. You know, I river top set. Now, certainly I think a a lot of the hands that he might've been semi bluffing the flop and the turn with are spades, which got there on the river, which made a flush, but that's not all that he's, he's betting with on those streets. And certainly when he has a worse hand than that, he's just going to check back and no additional value is going to be coming into my stack. And that's exactly what happened in this hand. This guy had a freaking set and decided to check back the river a much, much better play is to block bet the river. So there's like 600 in the pot. Going somewhere about one third pot, I think is a really good idea here because a lot of his hands can't really withstand the pressure of a bigger bet. Really only like flushes are gonna continue on through either a call or a raise on the river if I make a really big bet. But I think betting something like a third pot, like 175 to 225 somewhere in there, is just a really good idea because he is gonna have some hands that want to call. He's gonna have some sets. He's gonna have some two pairs, something like six five, or maybe ten six suited, or maybe he has ace ten with a spade that he started trying to take it away from me on the flop and made a pair. Pretty unlikely. But you know, again, a hand that, you know, could call a bet on the river. The point is, I need to be betting my hand for value. I have fucking top set and instead I checked it to see what he did. And it's just a really crappy, bad idea. The reality is I had an overpair on the flop and an overpair on the turn and top set on the river, and I didn't bet my hand at any single point. Unfucking believable Fire me into the goddamn sun. Like, what am I doing here? I had some freaking sludge just like going through my synapses in this hand, and I screwed the whole thing all up. I mean, this is not the way to play an overpair. This is not it. And I don't know what I was thinking in this hand. I was like, oh, I'll play some pot control and, you know, trap the guy a little bit, yada, yada, yada. But in the end, I just played my hand like an asshole. And I'm something of a fucking idiot myself, dot meme to me. So anyway, this hand kind of pissed me off. Pretty disappointed in myself for this one. But in hand two, I play my hand uh, a little bit better, I think. It's actually a really fun hand. Please stay tuned for that. All right. Hand two. This hand is one of the most interesting hands that I've played the entire month. I think it's really fun. I hope you guys like it. We're playing two, three, five at the California grand with a one K max and an early position player. He's a very weak recreational does what weak recreational players do in early position. He limps for five gets to me in middle position and I have four or five of diamonds. And I raised to 25, hoping to get this guy heads up where I'm in position, I have an uncapped range, and I can just beat on his ass. But of course, it doesn't happen. I am foiled by a couple of players. I'm foiled by the cutoff who calls my 25, the big blind calls it, and of course, the early position limper calls it as well. So we end up going four ways to a flop of queen four deuce with the top two cards clubs and the bottom card a diamond. And I have five four a diamond. So I flop pretty damn good for this hand, right? I flop middle pair with a shitty kicker, backdoor straight, and backdoor flush draws. Like, it's lit. So the first two players check to me. It goes check, check. And there's a 100 bucks in the pot. And I've talked about these spots a lot on this podcast. They're just spots that come up a lot in live poker where you're the aggressor. You go into a multi-way pot, and you flop something okay but kind of marginal. And I tend to like to be aggressive in these spots. I like to bet my hands and I don't especially need to bet for a large sizing. I'd say the reason I really like to bet my hands is because I I just hate the situation where I check and then it checks through and then all of a sudden an overcard comes, you know, a 10 or a nine or a king or whatever that is. And that could have hit any number of my opponent's hands because there's three opponents in the hand. So they have six cards that an overcard could hit. And all of a sudden, I just have to play the hand way more defensively and go into a shell, etc., etc. And I hate it. So I decide to bet, and I again, I don't need to bet especially large. Uh, I go one third pot, so I bet thirty five into a hundred, and I think this is more than enough to get a lot of the marginal overcard hands out. Right, the flop is queen four deuce. I want to get out hands like jack ten and. 10-9 and 7-8 and King-9 suited and King-10, like all that bullshit, uh, that'll just fold to uh, a bet even though it's only a third of the size of the pot because also having other players in the hand puts pressure on each player to be a little tighter because anybody could have a pretty good hand here. So I bet 35 and the cutoff snap raises me to 80. Let me stop and tell you a little bit about the cutoff. So the cutoff is a guy I would describe as a bad reg. Uh, he is a regular. I've played with this guy a ton. I don't think he's like a terrible player, but I don't think he's a very good one either. He's certainly not studied. The guy's also like kind of a dick. And, you know, he's just this kind of guy who tries to play really tight and solid. But in the end, he always ends up like punting it off somehow. Like I've seen him get frustrated and tilted easily, uh, impatient, etc. And he always ends up making like some big mistake. Not Not always, but like I've seen it a lot. And in this session, he has been playing pretty tight and solid, but I did recently overhear him talking to one of his neighbors and bemoaning the fact that he'd missed like two straight flush draws in the last couple of orbits. So certainly a dynamic in this hand could be that he's a little steam tilted, et cetera, et cetera. So just to recap, uh, I have five four diamonds. We're in a four-way pot. I'm the preflop aggressor. The first two players check on queen four deuce with two clubs and one diamond. I have five 4 diamonds. I bet 35. He snap raises to 80 from behind me, and the other two guys fold. Gets back to me, and God, I, I don't even entertain folding for one second. I mean, A, I have way too much hand to fold. Like I said, I have middle pair. I have two backdoor draws. And then also his raise size is really small. It's only 45 for me to call a little more than 200 here. So, of course, I'm calling. And the turn comes... A pretty benign card. It's an offsuit nine. Benign? Get it? All right. Uh, Edit that out, Sammy. Okay, so it's an offsuit nine on the turn after a queen four deuce with two clubs flop. I check again, and now our bad reg bombs it. He bombs it. He overbets the pot. He bets 280 into 260, leaving himself a little more than 500 bucks behind. And certainly the first instinct is just to fold because this hand did not give us any additional equity, no additional straight outs, no additional flush outs. We're left with third pair and no kicker and our dick in our hand. But I really start thinking about what kind of hands he might do this with. And the thing I keep coming back to is that there's not a ton of value that he's doing this with. Uh, When the flop comes queen, four, deuce, and... I bet and he snap raises me, there's a lot of flush draws, right? He rarely has ace-queen because I think he doesn't always three-bet that hand, but I think he does certainly sometimes. I've seen him three-bet ace-queen before. So I think he three-bets that hand sometimes. I'm not sure how much, but certainly he doesn't have ace-queen in full. And then king-queen is somewhat reasonable. Uh, I'm not sure he would over-bet turn with that, but maybe he would, like thinking I have a flush draw. And then really all he can have is like pocket deuces besides that for bottom set. Because I hold a four in my hand, there's only one way he could hold a set of fours. So there's some pretty rare hands he plays this way, but he also has a lot of flush draws that he's semi-bluffing with. So I devise a plan. I decide that I'm going to play some river chicken with this guy. So you guys know the, play, the game chicken where like two cars drive super fast toward each other and the first one that swerves off to the side is a bitch. Well, that's kind of what this is. Only we play it in poker and and we play it on the river. And so my plan is this. If I call this 280 bucks here and the river bricks, it doesn't come a club. I figure even if he has a queen, even if he sometimes shows up with like ace queen or king queen here, he's going to check it back on the river because I called such a big bet and I can have a better hand than him. Like if he has king queen, he has to be worried. I have ace queen. If he has ace queen, he has to be worried. I have a hand like pocket kings it's really hard for him to get a ton of value. And and he's just that type, you know, he's kind of a bitch where like he might make a big bluff, but he's not going to like go for the extra value on the river. He'll just check back and see if his queen is good. And if he bets all in on the river, a lot of times the missed flush draw, like he's just going balls to the wall. He's doing his blow up thing. Now where this falls apart is he could certainly be doing this with a set of deuces. And if I call down on the, On the river, and he shows me a set of deuces, and I have like third or fourth pair or whatever. You know, I feel like a fucking idiot. But it wouldn't be the first time, and frankly, it's hard to make a set. So I decide that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to check call this 280, and if a if a club doesn't come on the river, I'm going to call an all in. Basically, the way I figure it, unless he's got a set of deuces, if he bets all in on the river, I'm good, and if he checks back, I'm probably not. So I end up check calling the 280. And the river comes, a good card, uh, an offsuit six. So really shouldn't affect things. Queen four deuce with two clubs on the flop. Offsuit nine on the turn. Offsuit six on the river. I have four five. So at this point, I have fourth pair. I stick with the plan and I check. And he shoves it in my face. And I've already worked all this stuff out. So I don't have anything to think about. I snap call, put the chips in. And buddy, you ain't never seen a man Flick his cards into the muck so fast. He throws them in. One of the cards hits the dealer. He's all pissed off. He's cursing at himself. And in this situation, my friends, you do not need to show your hand because he mucked. But like I said, I don't love this guy. He's kind of a dick. And so I decide to rub a little salt in the wounds and I flip over my hand just so he can see how fucking hard I owned his ass. And I rake in this massive pot, like 2K. I'm just stacking the chips. And this guy, I mean, he stands up out of his chair and I can just see his soul leaving his body and floating up into the ceiling. It's it's amazing. And he's just sitting there looking at my hand like, what the fuck? And I don't say anything. I just rake in my chips, do my business. And finally sits down he looks at me. He goes, man, how you call with that hand? And I just shrug and I say, hey, you cannot bluff donkey. And uh, that that kind of set him over the edge. He was so tilted. <laughs> so I own this guy's ass, and and it feels really good. And I think this was a really cool hand. It almost reminded me, I don't know if you guys listened to the Vegas episode, the first episode where the guy bluffed uh, on the river with a uh, 4-5 offsuit with a missed straight draw, and I almost called him with King-10. This hand was a little bit like that, only this time... I followed through and I made the call and I felt really good about it. And I won the hand. And I think this is a really cool spot because I was able to kind of put together all the parts of poker, like all the elements, right? I put together kind of the hand reading part and the combos part, understanding that there was just very little from a theoretical perspective that this guy would raise the flop and bet all three streets with that wasn't a bluff. And then also there was a psychological, the psychological part, the part where I know this guy pretty well. I played with him up on, I know he's prone to tilting, even though he generally tries to play pretty tight and solid, but he's just like prone to blowing up occasionally. And I was in tune with that in this hand. And so putting those things together and being able to call this guy's all in bluff uh, across multiple streets with what turned out to be fourth pair, no kicker, pretty damn cool. So Uh, I'm very happy with myself, allow myself to congratulate myself for this one. Pat on the back, Sammy, Obama putting a medal on himself, dot meme to me. Hot damn, guys. Feels good to end a podcast on a hand that I actually played good. I just want to say, again, I appreciate you guys listening to this podcast. Everybody that left a review on the pod, super cool. Uh, If you're listening to this and you like the podcast, please like scroll down on your app and just give me some stars. Uh, That'd be super awesome. And if you feel like leaving a review for the podcast, that would be super cool. I read them all and, and, and I really appreciate you guys that do that. So thanks again. Until next week, my friends, play good and run pure.